And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. So at Startup Hustle, we like to cover the story of entrepreneurship at all stages, all types of businesses. And that's what we're going to get into today. Now, we are going to talk about a new social way of sharing bills, but I thought it would be a good idea to go back to the some of the original roots that we had at Startup Hustle and get a few founders on, especially from my hometown here in Kansas City, founders that are getting something started that have some traction, but are also learning a little bit about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship and what it's like to start a startup. That's exactly what I'm going to talk about today with my guest, Brad Starnes, who's the CEO of Splitzy. You can go to splitzy.app. There's a link in the show notes and go in there and go sign up for their beta. They're doing a really cool app that helps people split and share bills. And we're going to talk all about that and more. But before we do that, I want to remind you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. There's like 350,000 open IT jobs just in the US right now. And that makes it hard for startup founders and technology companies to build a team. And that's what we're going to help you do. Now let's get back to the show. So as I mentioned, Brad Starnes, the CEO of Splitsy is with me today. Brad, welcome to Startup Hustle. Uh, yeah, hey Matt, uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me today. Yeah, I appreciate you joining me. Now, I like to say that no one tells the backstory of themselves and the business better than CEOs and founders. So let's hear a little bit more about your backstory and what you guys are uh, the problem you're working on solving over at Splitsy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, my uh, co-founder Joe and I uh, were actually born and raised uh, in St. Louis. Went to the same middle school and high school together and we uh, moved to Kansas City to attend UMKC and uh, wound up getting our first apartment together. Uh, had a bunch of problems with uh, sharing bills from there and thought that the best solution to solve that would be to actually move in with a third person and move from an apartment to a house, which also added additional bills into uh, our mix. And uh, little did we know that uh, added even more of a hassle onto things for us. And uh, so Joe and I, uh, after quite a few late night arguments between us and our other roommate, uh, ultimately decided that we were tired of the traditional way of uh, sending money back and forth, no matter if it's a peer-to-peer uh, -peer app or writing a check, and ultimately decided that we were going to go out and try to uh, change this problem. Yes. Why not, why not start a company around it? Right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, there's, there's a, a whole lot that goes into starting a business and I'm fairly certain that you're learning that firsthand, but part of that involves finding some resources and some funding and you have done exactly that through a, a crowdfunding, which wasn't even a thing 
when I started my first business. So let, let's start there and let's talk a little bit about this crowdfunding campaign that you just pulled off and the traction that you got around that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, uh, you know, it was kind of earlier this year, I uh, texted my my uncle who happens to be one of our uh, IT mentors and was like, hey, we're kind of in a situation where we have some people here wanting to give us some funds, um, but they are in a position where they only want to give us $500. And I'm like, that's great. I want your $500. But, you know, when, when we're looking at the future of going and raising uh, VC funds and all of that, crowding up our our cap table for a small amount, like $500 just, uh, wasn't, you know, ideal for us. And so he had actually sent us the link to, uh, to WeFunder, uh, not sure how he found it. Uh, and so we launched on, on WeFunder and I can tell you that, uh, we had a, a whiteboard with every single person, uh, that we knew and we had a dollar amount, uh, tied to each person as to what we thought they were gonna going to invest if they were to invest. And, it took us about two to three times as long to raise the capital that we thought we were going to raise. Uh, and we got roughly about 25% less than what we thought we were going to do. Um, but at the same time, we are uh, very happy with the results that that came out of it so far. So that was what, what 70 grand? Yes. So that couldn't have been all people that you knew. So, that, I mean, I'm assuming that wasn't the case. So you did find a lot of utility and we, it was WeFunder? It, it, yes, it, it was uh, It was WeFunder.com was who we used. And we actually raised probably roughly about uh, 35 to 40% of that was our friends and, and family. Uh, the rest was just come, coming from the, uh, the WeFunder network and actually about five hours before we closed the campaign. Uh, we rallied about additional seven grand in investments um, to take us right above that uh, $70,000 mark. And uh, most of those were not friends and family. So, well, I, I'm still just so amazed at the kind of cool stuff that's out there these days. You know, there's equity sharing, angel funding, like all these different things. And, you know, as I mentioned, I'm kind of old, man. So the, this stuff wasn't even around. Uh, I funded my very first full-time business with a stack of my friend's credit cards. True story. <laughs> yeah, they want, they wanted the points. Hey, there's a way to get it done is my, is my point. And yeah, I think we're in this golden this golden age right now where, you know, anybody that has an idea can take it to a mass market of people. You know, you mentioned getting 35% from friends and family. That means the majority of that I mean, the, the lion's share of the funding came from people that had never heard of you or Splitsy before being in that platform. And I think that that's mm -hmm. pretty cool. Now, you know, we've done a couple episodes uh, in the past about, uh, about crowdfunding and angel funding and just different types of funding in general. What did you think was the hardest or most surprising thing about that? Yeah, I mean, whenever we actually went through the onboarding process with uh, with WeFunder, they had actually said to us that, um, you know, most of our raise is going to come from our own internal network and kind of prepped us to be in the position where uh, we expected that to come. But even with the preparation that they, they gave us, um, you know, I did not think it would take nearly as long as it did. Um, but what, what was important for us is, is we just kept um, moving along and every little business win that we had as an update, you know, on WeFunder, you can see people who are following your campaign. 
uh, we went and, and posted it and it was like, uh, even if it was the smallest win for our, our, our company, uh, things that, you know, you would just see and be like, okay, yeah, whatever, these guys are doing this again. Uh, we posted that and every single time that at least got us a couple extra hundred dollars, uh, if not a, a thousand or two more, we just kept, uh, kept doing that. So probably the, the hardest part for us was just realizing how long it was going to take for us to, uh, to raise those funds. I think that the consensus that we've come to here on Startup Hustle is that it's usually going to take about three times longer and three yeah. times as many no's. We've been doing some, some really, really unscientific surveys around that. So if you get any of that data, um, once again, it's pretty unscientific, uh, mainly just asking so, so many people, you know, we've, it's been, it's such a hot topic and how to get a business started. Cause you know, there's, I mean, honestly, there's a ton of people out there with great ideas. Um, great ideas don't really mean anything if you don't execute them. So it, when it comes to, you know, and I, I had a past conversation with you and you guys have a whole plan to execute all of that. How did you get that together? And what were some of the most important things that you wanted to focus on? And when I say, how'd you get that together? Feel free to, to mention anyone that helped you or helped you build the plan. Yeah, uh, you know, I'd say at first, probably just like every other uh, founder, you know, from the beginning, there there was not a plan, um, <laughs> which is always uh, always fun to look back at. But uh, you know, the the biggest kind of the largest mentor for us or largest organization for us has kind of been uh, UMKC, uh, the university that we went to, and uh, you know, I I woke up one at one point when I was that back couple of years trying to debate what college I was going to go to. And I was going to go to a uh, university in St. Louis and just randomly decided UMKC still have zero clue as to why I, I decided that, but um, thankful I did. And the kind of entrepreneurship resources they have, I mean, our first two um, big lots of money, which was uh, a grant and then um, a venture creation challenge at UMKC is kind of what gave us that bump to get to where, uh, where we are today. And I think a lot of the validity validity that we've had so far, um, the point that we're at wouldn't have came if it wasn't for um, the resources are there. And it's nice because at, at UMKC, they aren't just there to give you this grant through their um, digital sandbox program or through the Rainier Venture Creation Challenge. You know, they kind of take it a step further and they are there to work with you um, on your plan throughout. Um, and it's one of those things that if, if we're sitting here and we're looking at our plan and we're like, okay, this, this plan absolutely sucks as to where we're sitting at today. Uh, you know, we have no problem picking up the phone and uh, getting in touch with somebody uh, from UMKC and they'll work with us quickly to help us uh, readjust and better adapt to that plan. There it is again, listeners, another business that has been started with the help of local grants crowdfunding. And I've said this so many times on the show, it's out there, people, you just got to go look for it. And before we move on to talking more about the true problem that you're solving, and, and some of the fun details with that, um, you know, what give some advice to those listening about going out and finding some of the grants, like was one of those was one of those the arts grant? Yeah, so we were actually uh, finalists for arts grants, uh, wound up not not getting it. Uh, okay. And um, made it to the last round. I think we were top, uh, I mean, there was 35 companies selected and we were in the top 66 out of like 
450 um, applicants. Um, and, you know, for us, it was obviously finding the grant. Um, but on the application, it's like uh, you, in a way, almost almost have to give it more effort than anything you've ever given uh, in your life. That, that grant application should have more detail uh, and more thought behind it than um, everything you're doing on a day-to-day -day operation. Uh, and that's kind of what's gotten us to the point that we've made it to those um, final rounds of being a finalist for both arts grants uh, and the uh, Falls FinTech Accelerator um, in Sioux Falls, both of which we unfortunately did not get, um, but we're kind of, you know, getting back to where we're at um, without those. And then ho hopefully next year we can uh, revisit one or the other. And between now and then there's hundreds of other grants and opportunities that we can uh, work towards. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about going Dutch. So is that still a term that people use? Because I feel like that's like an old guy term because like going Dutch was if, you know, you went on it, if I was going to go on a date, well, I never went Dutch because I'm not cheap people. But um, <laughs> if you were going to go on a date, the, the true going Dutch would be I'm going to pay my share and you pay your share and we'll see what happens. Neither one of us are out of out of each other's money in that regard. And, you know, that's the, like you mentioned, that's the term that that you know is used for splitting bills and i guess technically you're going dutch when you have a roommate um you know so technically you fall into into fintech and you know like uh, overall like some of the things that you got it, you guys are wanting to help people do is you know split rent split, split bills split all of that so how do you how are how are you planning on doing that i mean what's the what's the approach yeah, uh, so it's it's fun to use the term "go Dutch" because that was one of about uh, ten different names that we were going to have uh, before we settled uh, on the business name we have. Um, so not a uh, not too. Oh, old. that was an, that was an option. Go Dutch was an option. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. Um, <clears throat> you know, our uh, our approach is, you know, we have experienced this problem not just between uh, one of my co-founders Joe and I but our third co-founder who came in at a, at a later date. Um, and so being able to allow users to share these payments um, on a recurring basis uh, is kind of our core component and our, our, our bread and butter of the application. You have other applications out there that allow you to uh, reimburse um, people for uh, the bills they're paying and all that. But it's still that, that big hassle of sitting down every single month, trying to figure out who owes what, how much to pay when you're making the payments, when you're pulling the funds from everybody. Uh, and we kind of take all of that hard work um, out of those, uh, those equations. And so our approach is, is really to get, you know, users involved on the application in a sense where they realize this is much easier um, and um, a much easier solution for them to use. And we're actually actively working on a few things on the back end um, right now. We're a, a top 50 um, participant with uh, Equifax right now in, in their design accelerator. And we're trying to figure out how we can allow um, people to build credit for shared bills. So when they're sharing their electric um, or their rent, those sorts of things, um, we can report their payments um, automatically based off what they pay us those applications. So we are actively working through some business things on the back end as well, uh, while going out and talking to our, uh, our early adopters before even having an application on the market. Uh, to really kind of figure out what those best steps are and what the best approach is for, for our users. 
I was sitting here before we hit record and I was thinking about how much I would have loved to have automated bill collection from so many former roommates when I was single. Like I mean, I've got a couple people that owe me several thousand dollars, you know, for, mm-hmm. and I guess if we're going to run compound interest on that, that's a lot more. Cause that was a long time ago, but yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think honestly on like a personal level, I think that, um, you know, anything involving finances or collecting money is a strain on, on relationships. Like meaning just like, you know, the people that are around you, like, dude, why do I have to ask you every time? And, you know, that's one of the things that I I wrote about that a little bit in my book, balance me because just general finance and money is actually the biggest stressor that, that people have in relationships. So like, we're talking about this and roommates, like, Matt and Brad's pad, but I would imagine this is probably a good thing for, for people that live together that aren't married or have a relationship or whatever. And just being able to not have, like, I don't know, man, there's just really something about not having to ask, um, that, you know, probably makes life a lot better for a lot of people. Okay. So do you consider this is, do you consider this FinTech? Uh, Yes. Okay. So with FinTech, there's always some picky little points and things that you have to deal with because finances and money and access in and out of a lot of those things are as a challenge. What are you finding as a pain in the ass when it comes to building this related to that? Uh, the the actual banks themselves and, and all of the regulations that come along with it. You know, whenever we started this thing, we thought, it was going to be uh, easy as developing an app and getting something on the market. Um, and it, it has uh, been everything but that, but what would be entrepreneurship if, uh, if, if it was easy? Uh, now, thankfully, we're, we're working with a, a bank right now that, uh, that has been uh, fairly easy compared to some of the other ones that, um, that we have talked with. And so um, that has have to be the most difficult part about a, a FinTech application. Yeah. And for, and you know, it's probably a good time for me to mention that today's episode startup hustles brought to you by full scale, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. So one of the things that, uh, you know, I found is anything involving health info or financial data is, is a big challenge. And I mean, rightfully so you have HIPAA compliance on the health side of things and you don't want your records floating around. I mean, finance is obviously, I mean, it, it's ripe for fraud and other things. So they want to put the kibosh on it. But um, I've noticed in my own endeavors and just dealing with with different clients and stuff that you, know, you would think that finance and banking would really have their shit together. And they don't, man. Like, my bank sucks. I'm not going to yeah. mention them, but you're my bank and you suck. Why? Because you can't keep a connection to QuickBooks online. And I'm going to yeah. go find a new bank for that exact reason. Like that is the reason. I don't even care about anything else. I haven't been in one of their branches. I don't even know when. I mean, like mm-hmm. years. And I don't care. It's, it's the digital connection that means everything to me. And I'm constantly having to do stuff to reestablish a connection or send a verification code to an account. And I'm like, come on. But part of that is caused by a fragmented nature. There's like four or five big banks. And then there's a ton of little community banks. And they all have, when I say fragmented, I mean like anything where the, like a huge portion of the body of participants 
are individual entities. And that means that they don't build tech or they do it a different way or, or there's just the good old problem of, wow, as a software developer, I have to connect to 3000 different things. Uh, and that's a lot of work. So people that yeah. are listening, that's why it takes forever to build software. And that's why the software that you, at your bank probably sucks, just like the software at my bank, you know, and, and I mean, these are real things. These are real problems. And I think a lot of people that use stuff, we've kind of gotten into that. We're in this uh, one click world, you know, where I can click one button on Amazon and something's at my house, maybe even the same day. And there's mm -hmm. there that puts a lot of pressure on on technologists and people that build software because people are not very forgiving with any of that. So okay, so now, I mean, I know we've kind of been talking about this a little bit, but like overall, like in a, in a short summary, I mean, what's what's been what has your first tech company, what's building it been like? I mean, what's if you had to like if you had to speak to a group of small children about Brad's experience, Brad builds a tech company. How mm -hmm. would that story sound? How would you phrase that in a in a short elementary way? Yeah, well, it's awesome. You're you're giving me practice because I'm uh gonna speak to an Are you speaking to some kids? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be there doing that go. in in St. Louis here in a couple months, uh, for one of my entrepreneurship teachers when I was uh in high school, you know, I, I would, I would first, you know, say that if, if you're going to be in a position where you think that you might get into um, entrepreneurship, be a business owner, um, start smart with your, your personal finances. Because uh, having business finances on top of personal uh, is, is hell alone. <laughs> and then uh, if you didn't come into it with uh, a good, um, knowledge of personal finances, you're, you're going to have a run for your money. So, I mean, financially wise, uh, that is one thing I'd say, but you know, I'd say expect, expect late nights, uh, these, these last two weeks, uh, we've done many 12, 13, 14 hour days. Um, just trying to get things done and, uh, meet deadlines for the next, next day. And, uh, for different meetings with different banks and all that stuff. And, uh, be ready to own yourself. You know, when I came into this, I thought being a, a young guy, um, just, just out of college, just finished my degree that I was going to be in a way, I'm going to use the term, a, a laughing, um, you know, a laughing point of view for people. And, uh, it's actually quite interesting that being a young person and being able to kind of own where you're at and say, look, I know I'm young, but I have X, Y, Z going on. We, we know our shit here. And being able to articulate that to people, it's amazing how I would say almost more serious people take you as a as a young person knowing your stuff than somebody who's a little bit older who kind of half half knows their stuff. Um, so that's that is what I would say to to anybody who's young and uh, just now getting into uh, what we are doing. So, you know, it's it's interesting because when it comes to most, if you ask most people, like in a survey given, and this is, was scientific, in a survey given, most people pictured entrepreneurs as young, right? Mm -hmm. Like especially with tech, like like twenty years old or something. Uh, the sweet spot for entrepreneurship is actually your mid forties. 
And there's reasons for that. Um, then some of it has to do with experience. And a lot of it, as you mentioned, it can be hell on your personal finances. So at that, at that age, you may have had time to actually accumulate money, credit, equity, things that you can leverage, uh, relationships with people, maybe industry experience and stuff like that. Now, on the flip side of things, and I'm just speaking from experience here because, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for a long time and, you know, I'm 40, I turned 46 years old this year and, um, I, and I'm a, a high energy person already, but I have less energy than I did 20 years ago. I'm just not y- that young anymore. So there's, there's a, there's a, there's a flip side to both of those things there. And I think that also, um, when you're younger as an entrepreneur, it's, well, you're not fully set in your ways. Your circuits aren't burnt in at that point. And mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, what I've learned is that, that as people age in general, it gets, it's more and more difficult for them to change and look at things differently. And you know, a lot of it, you just kind of become right. set in your ways. And uh, I mean, one of the things that we find at, at full scale, which we're basically in the business of recruiting, finding and recruiting talent is when it all, all when it comes to like new tech and things that have just come out, actually, our, our youngest developers are usually the best at it, because they haven't learned how to do anything other than that. Yep. in many situations. So, but then they also lack the experience sometimes to do certain things. So if you're building a team and you're wanting to do a startup, I think it's good to have a diversity of age and gender mm-hmm. and a lot of, and lots of different approaches because, and, and science says the same thing on that one. So that's good. Now, speaking of which you have, do you have co-founders? Uh, yes, I do. And how did you go about finding them? Yeah, so as I mentioned shortly at the beginning of the podcast, uh, Joe and I moved to Kansas to Kansas City together from St. Louis, and he and I kind of uh, kind of experienced this problem together, and that's how how he and I became co-founders. And uh, the the biggest gap that he and I had at the time was somebody uh, with with financials. I mean, I could say we're going to make money, we're going to have we're going to have revenue, we're going to have expenses, but I could by no means. Uh, project it in a way that our other co-founder uh, is able to do things. And uh, Nolan and I, we uh, volunteer for a program called Missouri uh, Missouri Boys State Program. And uh, he and I met there uh, roughly about four or five years ago. And uh, he transferred from Truman University to UMKC. We got uh, got reconnected. I mean, in a in a in a matter of months, he just absolutely. Um, like engraved our business in himself um, to the point where it was like, I have no option but to include him as a, as a, as a, as a co-founder at this point. And uh, cause we were still in the early stage at that point where um, the business wasn't really where it's at, where we could, I guess, classify him as a, uh, as a co-founder. And, uh, and that's kind of how we connected and we've been, we've been fortunate in the fact that, you know, I had a relationship with Joe, I had a relationship with, with Nolan and the three of us have a very easy uh, bond and connection um, between all of us, uh, which is very important when you have co-founders and have a team is that um, while conflicting personalities are great, um, you also need to have personalities that can uh, mesh together well. And uh, that's something that we're fortunate to have as a team. Yeah, it's uh, um, one thing that uh, the 
co-founder has been a popular topic um, on the podcast and off air as well. And I even wrote a little bit about that in my book, Million Dollar Bedroom, because one of the things you have to keep in mind is it's harder to get rid of a business partner than it is to get rid of someone you're married to. Yep. Like it is literally more difficult if they want it to be. So you need to choose wisely. And um, you know, when I was younger, I, I wasn't a, a, a partner. I didn't want a business partner. I didn't have one in my, well, I had one in, in my very first business and I ended up buying them out very quickly because I just didn't want to be business partners with them, you know, and that was expensive and set some things back in the end. It was the most valuable and profitable stock purchase I ever made. Right. Ever will without a doubt, but I learned that pretty quickly and that kind of set me off not wanting to have partners. I think, some, but now that, you know, now that I've started full scale and have Matt Watson as a business partner, he and I uh, uh, have a, have a really good yin and yang because he's great at all the stuff that I'm not great at and kind of mm -hmm. vice versa. And then, and then what's even more important is he likes doing all the stuff that I don't like. And I like doing all the stuff that he doesn't like, which means that we can do the stuff that we like and, yeah. and, and, and make a lot of progress. And I think that's the, the golden, that's the golden formula right there. That's like what makes magic happen. And then there's one other component you mentioned, like you want to be able to have like friction starts fire. It, it defines disruption and a lot of different stuff, but not everyone's great at coming back from a disruptive mm -hmm. conversation. You yep. need to have business partners and, and, and earmuffs kids that you can tell to fuck off every now and then. And <laughs> you're going to, and you're not going to throw punches and hate each other forever. And that, but that's, that can be productive. It's good to sometimes you got to get that out. And sometimes you have to be able to say what you want to say and then bounce right back into things. And like, I, I have that at, at full scale. It's kind of funny because, you know, Watson and I occasionally, I mean, we will disagree and sometimes mm -hmm. vehemently. And then an hour later, it's like, it didn't even happen point taken and we move on. And that, and that, yeah. I think that's the key to, to, cause it is just business on many levels. And if you want the same things, which is for your business to, to thrive and survive, and yep. you know and produ and produce something that matters like and that's important as well like doing something meaningful like at full i provide hundreds of jobs worldwide that's meaningful right there so yep. i mean that if you're if you're thinking about getting something started that's a key ingredient and learning how to how to communicate it's funny do you know that they actually have couples therapy for business partners it would not surprise me. I didn't, I did it's not like know that. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't either until a few years ago and someone told me about it and I was like, wow. So that's, that's pretty amazing. Okay. So you got a little traction, you got a little money, you got some co-founders, you got a little hype. You're here talking to the world. I've seen you on some other local things and stuff like that. What are you going to do with all that? What's next? Yeah. So we are, uh, we're actually using your team to, uh, to finalize the last piece of our, our MVP to, to, to get launched and get that launched to beta users uh, here in the next couple of weeks. And then uh, we are uh, hitting the market from there, uh, going to do a more uh, regional approach, um, really focus here, here on, on the Midwest. 
uh, and what we're doing here. I'm not going to get into details as to what that uh, go to market looks like. Um, and then just getting us to the point where um, here, here shortly in the next six months, we were just talking about uh, finances a few minutes ago. Uh, here in the next six months or less, uh, we're going to have to raise uh, our next round uh, of capital. And so it's important for us just to make sure that uh, every move that we make between uh, now and then um, is as cautious as, as possible. Um, but we also say that those moves need to be cautious, but be associated with a lot of risk. Um, and, and we feel that's a great approach for us to take. And uh, that's kind of where we'll be at uh, trying to trying to raise capital. Uh, <laughs> that's always the, the biggest problem uh, with companies and then uh, blitzing the market from there. So the uh, the whole act of raising capital, uh, you know, episode we're, we're coming up on ep episode 700 of Startup Hustle. Episode two is titled Getting Funded Sucks. Yep. which uh, episode one was welcome to startup hustle. So that kind of shows you where Watson and I, <laughs> how we felt about it. Um, yep. yeah, it was, it was pretty funny, you know, and, and thank you for everyone that's been listening. We have some people that have made it through all the episodes. Um, I haven't even made it through all the episodes. So, well, yeah, I've, there you go. Uh, I've listened to a few um, ever since you and I got, got connected and, uh, it has been uh, great, great content for me. It's actually my, uh, I'm going to call it my morning ritual uh, on the drive into the office, but I'm not sure if I will have uh, half the time with everything else we got going on and go back and listen from episode, episode one up until 700. So it, it's funny. I told my wife the other day, I was like, um, I, I said something along the lines of, I kind of want to go back and put like a little disclaimer at the beginning of episode one that was like, <laughs> okay, so you're the person that wanted to go back to episode one. Let's talk for a second. Cause first off we get better at this. I promise. Um, and you know, and just like the format, it kind of changed and evolved. We've treated this podcast exactly like a startup. I mean, I mean, I'll be honest, Matt and I had the ability to write checks and do a whole lot of stuff. And we didn't on this. We it's had a very organic uh, nature to it, and uh, and a very truth telling nature. And you know, that's mm -hmm. the whole thing. Is for those of you listening, we just aim to have a conversation, and um, hopefully, that's. Uh, I look at this as talk radio in many yeah. ways. So yeah. So so, and you know, the thing is, and the beauty of it, and much like we were mentioning with the resources that are out there for people that want to get funding or get advice or whatever, it's infinite you like literally would have to be like Neo in the matrix and like upload it all into the back of your brain. And that might mm -hmm. would still take a while because there is so much out there. And, you know, when I was tw 20 years ago, I was driving all around the Midwest for a job in the music industry, listening to the same books on tape. That's right. People books on tape. Cause some of them weren't even out on CD yet. That's how, that's how old I am, Brad. But the thing is, is like, and now it's just literally like an infinite supply. And I made a post in the, the Startup Hustle Facebook chat group, which now has over 2,000 people in it. So come join us. But the answers that you seek are really just a Google search away in, in mm -hmm. so many ways. And, 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 and that's the thing is, as an entrepreneur, if you find yourself ever saying, I don't know how to do it, or I've never done that, or I need to figure that out ask Google, man. I mean, it's there. It is, there is really, 
just, I mean, as far as entrepreneurship goes, there's no question that you can't find an answer to. Are there questions that you can't find answers to on the internet? Sure. But I've yet to let me know if there's one about entrepreneurship you can't find because someone out there is talking about it. Okay. So when it comes to building an app, apps are a little different than, so we have mobile apps. We have web apps. A mobile app is something that exists only on your phone. Um, like, do you see having only mobile apps or do you see like a full on web, like web component that has a mobile app with it? Yeah. So without getting uh, too, too deep into what our future product roadmap looks like, uh, there is a possibility that we will be um, doing uh, some more web app uh, applications uh, for us. Um, And a lot of that may not even be a, uh, standalone uh, application for us, but more so a web app integration. Uh, so there are some definitely some things that, that we are looking at. Uh, we are taking an app only approach because uh, there are some of our larger competitors uh, who have actually scaled back their, uh, their their web app presence and what you can do from a desktop computer and, and those functionalities. Uh, and they have the, the funding and the resources uh, to understand uh, why they took that approach. Uh, and so we are looking very closely at that uh, to see why those things are. Um, so but it, it's kind of up in the air, but we are looking at it. Yeah, the app, It's a, the reason I ask is it is, I mean, it's two different worlds, two different products, two different types of developers, two different sets of planning, more things to connect, more things to integrate, more things to update, more things to test. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Yeah. And yeah. on the flip side, the, an app and I, you know, much like, uh, the actor that played Mark Zuckerberg in the social network said, you know, it's, it's never going to be done. And that's, that, that's where I kind of wanted to, as we are almost done here with another episode of startup hustle, I want like, that's one of the things I think if you're going to start a, a tech company, we've been talking about that so much. It's kind of the, we cover all branches of entrepreneurship. If you want insight on how to start a tech company, Matt Watson and I are doing a 52 part series, which is, is comedically a month behind, um, which we thought of, we talked about it. We're like, we could catch up, you know, we could squeeze, we have the episodes. We just had, they didn't come out on time because one reason or another, but that's what, and we said, Hey, we're here to give the real story of entrepreneurship and nothing says it better than that. Because uh, yeah, things take longer and they cost a little bit more, and you got to keep it up. And and you know what? For those of you listening, you're like, why wouldn't software or an app ever be done? Uh, it's because as uh, someone that builds the software, you can't you can't control the changes that a- a- AWS makes to their web servers that break something. Um, and the mm-hmm. same thing with like Google Chrome or a Mac OS, or recently. Uh, when iOS 14 came out, it literally broke half the app store. Like half the app store was not working because of that update. And the thing is, is they're doing it whether you want them to or not. And those are the little goofy things that you have to fix, change, support or whatever. Or realistically, if you don't, 
um it's really you're just your your software is kind of slowly crumbling like a castle made of sand so i mean i think that that's pretty much it so all right so i end my episodes of startup hustle with what i like to call the founders freestyle i say my episodes because i'm not the only host of the show we are going to be moving our days around. So I'm not going to tell you what day to listen to Andrew or Lauren on. I'm just going to tell you that both of them have shows. So you can tune in for with Andrew Morgan's talk all about e-commerce and Amazon. And you can tune in with Lauren Conaway. And she is the CEO of Innovate Her. And go to InnovateHerKC.com if you want to make a donation. I'm sure she'd appreciate that. And also tune in to our guest series that have started in August and have been running uh, throughout. And we have been bringing in different subject matter experts and letting them pitch us on what their series will be about and who their guests will be about. Hopefully you enjoy that. And that also gives me a little bit of time to focus on fullscale.io, which is the sponsor of today's episode. And we can help you build a software team. So Brad, in the Founders Freestyle, I like to give guests and myself a chance to recap anything uh, that we may have discussed that stood out or, or seemed memorable or useful, or perhaps add in anything that we may have forgotten to cover. So here's the mic. Yeah, I mean, just uh, as we've been talking, I've been thinking about different things like, oh, I, sh I should have hopped in and said this and that, uh, you know, I, I would say. That's uh, what the freestyle's for. It's like that last <laughs> chance at redemption, dude. Yeah, yep. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I, I would say uh, on the actual, you know, youth entrepreneurship side of things, uh, that's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. Uh, and I love giving back kind of in that in that area. Uh, be ready to make mistakes. Uh, one of the biggest business mistakes that we've made so far is, is we integrated with a, uh, a vendor um, before having a contract signed and ultimately got to um, getting that contract signed and uh, business terms just didn't work out. And so now we're actually using hey, Matt, your team uh, to pull that vendor out and implement a, a new vendor of ours uh, that we now have a contract uh, engaged in. And that set us back uh, because of money a couple months in launch. But, you know, we can look at it as, wow, that really sucked. And we wasted, you know, X, X amount of dollars in, uh, in grant money and this and that. Or we can take it as, you know what, yeah, that absolutely sucked. But that was a, a great learning experience for us. Uh, and we can move on from there. So that's, that's kind of the biggest thing that I would, I would re recap on, on those conversations is just be ready to make mistakes, uh, own up to them, and, and keep moving on with the day. Move fast and break things, people. I mean, that's the way yeah. it's going to go. Like, I look back at something like Gigabook, which has 0% of its original code. It's just like, that's the way, I mean, that's the way it goes. And, you know, one of the things that's kind of tough with some some certain grant or award type situations is you have a requirement to spend your money a particular way, which, yeah. is, and, and I ruffle feathers with what I'm about to say, but it's not always a good thing for entrepreneurs because sometimes only certain vendors will provide the service for those type of grants or whatever. And then the thing you want to make sure of when you're building a, especially with tech is stability is a good thing. Cause while it might sound good to get 10 or $20,000 from somewhere or something like, 
they're like more sophisticated and advanced companies in the timeline will turn stuff like that down because it's like by the time you finally get started and you get a cadence for what you're doing you got to stop and mm -hmm. when it comes to software especially it's you know so i have a nice watch and if you take the back of it off unless you're a watchmaker, even if you are a watchmaker, you're going to look at it and you got to look at it for a while. You got to figure out how, maybe how it works. And if you're going to, yeah. if you have to take part of it apart, you got to know how to put it back together. And like these things all take time. And so, you know, so sometimes when I talk to it's actually one of the red flags, when I talk to potential clients at full scale uh, and thanks for the unsolicited shout out. I appreciate that. That wasn't required. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like, but I probably even said this to you, like, I don't want to ever orphan someone with their product because yep. I, you know, like as an entrepreneur, that's a shitty spot. And, and what happens is I run into a lot of people that end up kind of stuck with a service provider that they don't really want, but that's kind of like where it's at. Or you end up having to spend money to teach someone to base, literally teach someone else or let someone else learn how it works so then they can get it moving. So, and, and you know, like whoever it is that you do business with, it's back to that. It, it can be like a partnership. So you can use companies like Fullscale. You can hire your own employees, which by the way, is a whole separate challenge. I mean, I wasn't kidding at the top of the show. There are today, there are 350,000 open tech jobs in lowly Kansas city, the 25th biggest media market in the country, 6,000 jobs. Yep. Like, I mean, dude, that's tough. Like, cause that means that, I mean, it is literally, if you ever took economics, that is literally supply and demand equilibrium upside mm -hmm. down. I mean, it Absolutely. is a seller's market and it's, there's just a level of scarcity. And the problem is, is it's a true zero sum game. You, one person gets a job somewhere else and they just create a job opening at the place that they were just at. And then it's expanding. So that is actually widened. It was yeah. uh, 18 months ago. That was below 300 K. Now we're, we're rapidly approaching 400 K. So my point is, is like find people and places that you can do business with that you want, and then find people that are, that, that have a genuine interest in you being successful. Like I say that to people, at full scale a lot, like your success is ours. Like if we're not helping you be successful, you're not going to stay a client. So like, yeah. of course we should want to be successful. And I mean, I think that's important because there's a lot of people out there that'll take your money until you don't have any more to give them. And that's, that's shitty. That's shitty. So, you know, it's much like when you find a service provider, it's kind of like finding uh, someone that you're going to interview all the same. Now, one other thing I wanted to bring up and I wanted to reiterate and and sorry, I, I didn't mean to get the arch grant thing wrong. I, I miss I misheard you on that. But there are like zillions of grants and different things. I know I kind of said be caution at cautionary tale of what some of them are, but there are a ton of them. Like I think that one yeah. was like a that's a fifty thousand dollar check. I can do yeah. something with that. You know, and but the yeah. thing is, is you got to take them seriously and you got to get in front of a lot of them. The one thing I don't want to hear from any of you when I see you at a live event down the road is you telling me that you couldn't get the money to get your business started. And I say, oh, well, that's too bad. How many people did you reach out to? And then you're like, man, like six. I'm like, dude, you're like 70 short of the average. Yep. So I wanted to throw that in. Most people, I mentioned our unscientific research. Most people tell me 
that they had about 75 to 100 asks, meaning those are those are emails that went out or pitches that they gave or something before they actually got a person or uh, anyone interested. Now, you mm-hmm. might find a couple angels like friends and family that I'm not counting them. I'm not counting them. I'm talking about OPM, true other people's money, not even family money. And the thing is, is that's a number game. So my friend Luke, who is a master at leveraging bank loans, will literally not stop calling, applying, or approaching banks until he finds one that wants to do business with them. And he does it all the time and he kills it. He kills it. The dude is like masterful at it. So now when I talk to him and he tells me about something that he's doing or interested in or whatever, I'm like, well, how many? He's like, yeah, it was like 140 banks. But that 140th one, they sure did write a check and the terms were great. So Mm -hmm. anyway, for those of you listening, go to splitsy.app. There's a link in the show notes. Sign up for their beta. Give them feedback. Give them feedback when the beta comes out. That's how we get better as entrepreneurs. And that's how we build better software. So Brad, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.